For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to episode 168 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. You can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. Uh, we have an episode of a podcast to present to you. Uh, not a lot to talk about here in this one, but there is good news. We did not lose. Uh, while things are looking worse and worse for Newcastle United, a point, we just got to take them at this, one. At, at this point, pun intended. Uh, so for this show, we'll talk about Wolves in that match. We'll talk about the youth team, some updates there, and then we'll preview our upcoming match. But before we get into all of that, we need to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, the best damn co-host and site manager in the land, Elijah Newsom. How are you? Hey, you know, I, I can't complain. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, my audacity didn't want to record, but it doesn't matter because we don't even use it anymore. So, yeah, we're just going to keep it rolling, keep yeah. the hits coming. I can't complain. Um, I'm excited to be able to talk about, uh, like, honestly, for the first time in, what, three or four episodes, maybe three episodes where we haven't talked, where we've been able to kind of open and not talk about a loss. So yeah. that's cool. That is, At least, that is cool. No, two, two episodes. Yeah, two. Because yeah. Chelsea, Man United. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I mean that—that's cool. That is, <laughs> we did it, we did it's, it, Joe. It's inherently cool. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess we'll just dive right into it then, huh? Um, Newcastle United ah, one, Wolves one. Elijah, you predicted a one-one draw. I believe Greg, I must say, you predicted a 1 1 draw as well. Yeah. Uh, it's almost, we are Nostradamus. Yes. Some, may, some might podcast. say Negro Strodamus. Yeah. Or the Nostra podcast. Nostra podcast. The true black and white Nostra podcast. It is the true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about that match. First, we, we know how we have to start, ladies and gentlemen. And it's starting with three words. Now, for every match, you must follow at CHN underscore podcast, and we will. Uh, ask you after every match to comment below on three words to describe the match. And you all always deliver uh, our three words. We have Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney 12, who by the way, lives in Iceland now. That's still bizarre. I, I need to talk to him about that. What, what yeah, happened? He, he is fully in Iceland. He just finished his quarantine. How did he do that? And he's like, he went for a run today in Iceland and sent me a video and it doesn't look like America. Uh, um, yeah, he said, in, in case you were doubting him, <laughs> uh, he said, Brucey's sub shite 
Don at Smick Ultra says needed three points. Two Army Portland says two points dropped. Eric Schmidt says injury injury crisis incoming. James Whitmore says defo going down. Kim Avery said needed that one. And Joe Avery. Oh, I wonder if that's any. No, it's not. It's okay. Not. Don't, uh, don't look too much into it. Uh, Kim meet Joe. Joe meet Kim. Uh, no breathing room says says Joe Avery. So uh, we'll start as we always do around uh, the lineups and, and what we think. We Elijah just a- also as we predicted the Nostra podcast of Newcastle United, we said that Carlo Darlow would make an appearance. Uh, no, no, he, no. You you said that wrong. Mark Dubrovka. Oh, I said Carlo Darlow too. Yeah. Yeah. You Carlo Darlow would make an appearance is what we said. Yeah. Um, but also, that was leaked before, so like we can't take full uh, well, credit. I disagree. But we will. But I'm about to say we will take full credit, though. Yeah, but I want to make that clear. Yeah, we absolutely will. Um, so we the starting lineups were Dubrovka, Kraft, Lewis, Lascelles, Clark, Hayden, Shelby, Willick, Almiron, Saint Maximin, Jolinton. On the bench, we had Richie, Fraser, Murphy, uh, and the subs that were not used were Darlow, Dummett, Hendrick. Gail, Sean Longstaff, and Andy Carroll. Uh, Elijah, what were your thoughts on our starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing too crazy. It was nice to see Joel Linton back after his sort of injury scare. Uh, I felt like he and, – and I think it's one of those things where people can get upset and frustrated as much as they want regarding Joel Linton and his role at Newcastle. But um, I feel like every journalist and every fan that kind of looks at it from a tactical view has all kind of seen the fact that, like, Jolinton is better suited for this formation than Dwight Gale. Um, Dwight Gale is much more of a poacher. Uh, That doesn't mean that this is currently, like, I wouldn't say, sorry, I would say that doesn't mean that, that, like, Steve Bruce can't make adjustments to suit Dwight Gale, who probably is a better striker than Jolinton. But if Steve Bruce is going to stick with this 4-4-2 diamond or uh, 4-1-2-1-2, uh, Joel Linton is probably your best bet because you do need a sort of like playmaking type striker that's got a bigger build that's able to take down long balls that's comfortable drifting out wide and Dwight Gale's just not that guy uh, so um, that, that was probably the only thing that kind of stood out to me besides the Dubrovka thing and nothing else was really surprising like we knew Kraft and, and, uh, and uh, Jamal Lewis weren't going to lose their spots even after having a, a not so great a not so great match um, there was rumors, murmurs that maybe uh, Fernandez could make an appearance, but you know, didn't really happen, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so yeah, I mean, n- nothing, nothing crazy. Did Steve Bruce start our best eleven available? Available, yes. Okay. So you um, think Richie Fraser or Murphy should be in the starting lineup? I think. Or Hendrick. Or oh, okay. well, you shouldn't even have included him. Or Darlow. Okay. Or Stop Andy Carroll or Paul Dunn. I'll, I'll say this. Given the fact, like, I'd say you have to be realistic with your best 11, right? Like, yeah. you have to understand that Steve Bruce is not going to deviate from this formation. Uh, so it's like you yeah. have to take that into consideration as well. Um, and so given that information, yes. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, well, Awesome. Uh, oh, wait, real quick, I, before we before we move, I do want to make note: like Ryan Fraser 
in this formation does not work in place of Joel Linton. I think that a lot of people were like, oh, start Ryan Fraser. And then it's like when that happened, when there was no striker on the pitcher, I was like, well, there's no striker. And it's like, yes, that's exactly why Ryan Fraser is not starting in this. Like, the, the honestly, the only way essentially to get Ryan Fraser, Allen St. Maximin, and Miguel Amaron, which, again, this doesn't even make any it's – it's a moot point at this point because of those four people – Three of them are injured, but like the only way for them to all be on the pitch is a four-two-three-one, or you could maybe swing a four-three-three with like out Al- with Almiron as like a cam in that midfield three. I feel like that could work with the, like a two base, like two CDMs. Um, but outside of that, it's going to be tough to get them all on the pitch together uh, because it's like, I mean, you just need. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like people have to make like realize that and take that into consideration. Like the four, four, two diamond does not yield like them all playing together. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, let, let's start into this match. So it was uh, certainly a very promising start. And I, I was tweeting through it. Like, Hey, we need to, we need to get something out of this. Newcastle isn't uh, a type of team that can like afford to miss opportunities because not many are usually going to come, but we were high flying to start this match. Um, and it was like following losses to Chelsea and Man United, it was tough to see any hope that we would start this well. And Newcastle were dominating the start of this match. Like, I, I'm not yeah. using that word lightly. Um, and I want to talk about the first part is uh, Isaac Hayden uh, had a great opportunity. I, I think it was like around 10 minutes or 15 minutes in uh, where uh, he he headed the ball right like directly at him I, I it's always tough with this because I actually don't know how hard it is to like head a ball into the net in the Premier League yeah. but it just seemed like he could have done way better there um Jolinton had an opportunity and uh Almiron uh hit the post like all within 15 minutes right yeah no it was it was uh one of at, at least Al- one of those two Ooh. guys should have scored <laughs> Yeah, yeah Amron who, one who felt, of those should have scored. Uh, Amron felt, one felt a little bit lucky, and again, saying this in complete bias, but that did feel a little bit unlucky. He did pretty yeah. much everything right, and he just hit the post. Like yeah. it just was you. That happened. Like, sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. So. What. What do you think was the most like advantageous? What. What was Newcastle doing different, in your opinion? I mean, I think it's really more just about being on the front foot, which, again, like that's a term that's thrown around a lot. But, I mean, in this case, it's like they were pressing well and pressing effectively, which, again, we haven't seen enough from Newcastle. And honestly, like to, to put it down in even more simple, even the simpler terms, like they played with a lot more kind of passion than they have been in the past. And I think it's fair to say since Graham Jones has come over. And that's one thing that like, when you look at interviews with players who played under Graham Jones, they all talk about how much he wants players to be like super intense and how much he brings like on that side of things. Like he's very much like very active and like, Hey, like he wants, he treats every match like it's do or die. Like he is very like yelling at players and warmups. And we've seen that. I mean, there's, there's chronicles written up and, and, and has, uh, you know, documented uh his sort of intensity that he's bring he brings even the pre-match warm-ups 
So I think that's part of it. Like John Joe Shelby after just we know like we weren't even planning on talking about this, but if you want to bring this up, John Joe Shelby had like just before this, just peak like put up or shut up quotes where he was just like, Yeah, Steve Bruce is the best man manager I've ever had, which is fair because like he was not like liked under Rafa and basically saying he wouldn't want to play under Biesla with Leeds. And everyone's like, dude, are you trying to get everyone to like roast you right now? Because that's what's going on. And to his credit, like he put in a hell of a shift. And like, that's the kind of stuff that I noticed with Newcastle where it's like every player was working their tails off in the first half and wanting to create chances. And almost it felt like they wanted to kill off Wolves early. I feel like that was the big thing. They wanted to like go up 2-0 and coast the rest of the match. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so a couple, couple other, like, I mean, Newcastle just kept pushing St. Maximin put the ball in the net, but it was, he was off sides. Um, there was, Oh, and, and also you have to give credit where credit's due. We'll do this more in the second half, but uh, Adama Traore had a really great header that Dubrovka was able to push away to save like a disaster goal, uh, which we would have easily been up. We, uh, we should have easily been up at least two, nothing at that point I felt. Uh, and I could have easily seen us going down uh, one nothing, but that was the other point I wanted to bring out. How bad is Emil Croft? Or is it just Adama Traore? Just like is so much more athletic than, than Emil Croft. I'll say this: Adama Traore, for how how much he's bad. His height. I, he's I'll bad. say this: no, no, no. You have to no. Listen, Greg. Let let me let me tell you what I'm about to say. I'll say this. In Newcastle, of course, as we know, this is the fifth straight, I want to say, 1-1 draw with Wolves. Adama yep. Traore had his insanely meteoric rise during this, during all of this. And every single time we played Wolves, Adama Traore was useless. Like, he was not a factor. Like, this is easily the most dangerous Adama Traore's ever looked against Newcastle. Yep. And it's no surprise Emil Kraft was the right back there. So I'll just leave it at that. I want to just, you know, take that as you may. Um, which is why I was like, Greg, wait, don't don't say anything because I feel like we're on the same page here. Because yeah, um, Millcraft, he had a rough day. He had a rough day there. He's booty. Uh, so we got to. The, so uh, actually, well, one more thing before I want to talk about in, in the first half is, which will lead us into the second half is Miguel Almiron got hurt, and he did come on in the second half and was replaced seven minutes in. To, oh, no, no, no. He was replaced at halftime. Yeah. Um, so he didn't come out of the tunnel on the pitch. So what's your what's your what did you hear? Have you heard anything about how Miggy's doing? Was it precautionary? What's what's your take there? Um, so from what I've heard and read so far, and I say heard as if I'm some sort of expert I'm, and have ties. I mean, I could maybe reach out to Roberto, which People forget Roberto Rojas is like legitimately family friends with Miguel Almiron. Yeah, I feel like that just kind of gets tossed aside because you know it's Roberto and he's got like all of his followers on Twitter and blah blah. blah and Newcastle fans they feel there are certain ways about Roberto, but like he's legitimately family friends with him. Um, and at least if not him, at least Danny Campos, his agent. So maybe we could tap into them. But honestly, I, all I've heard is that they're waiting on some sort of scan, and there's. There's a like I'd say a ninety percent chance that whenever someone listens to this podcast, it could be uh, tomorrow, which we're recording this Monday, 
It could be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We already know the status of Megamaron, but it looks like that's what they're waiting on. Um, yeah. Similar to DeAndre, and again, I, I was wrong about DeAndre Yedlin. I remember there was a match where DeAndre Yedlin went off, and like I thought he'd torn his ACL. I think you did too. It was like he was like walking, but you could tell there was a gimp, and it turned out he just like bruised his knee. And yeah. so maybe that's the situation. And like we're just dealing with oh, Miggy. Hopefully playing on a bruised knee and it's like, you know, get him a shot of cortisone and he's good to go for West Brom. But if he's not, it's a, uh, it's squeaky bum time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that, w- that wasn't good at all. And Almiron, if you had to give man of the match, would you give it to Almiron for the first half? I would. Okay, sure. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did. I did. I mean, if you don't feel that way, you don't have to say yes. No, I mean, I thought he was I'm- our best player. He was the best player on the pitch to me. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, maybe close second is like – I wouldn't say close second, but just second is like Alan St. Maximum is also probably looking the most dangerous he's looked in probably since last season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I still wouldn't. I, I thought ASM was good, but Almiron was – No, I was saying like close second. Like yeah, I, I yeah, think no, you're right. A, like Almiron's definitely I, one. I'd say ASM's probably close second on that. Yeah, I, I might even just take away close. Like, I, I think Amaran was far and away better than everybody else on that pitch. Yeah, I, that was the best, most confident I felt in Miggy in a while. Like, I, I'm always confident, but uh, that was such a good performance, I thought, by him. It, it is crazy to see, like, that there were I, – I remember the Miggy doubters. Um, and, again, like – There I still don't, are. I mean, there's – yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to name any names – but there were some Miggy doubters that love him now, and they happen to reside in Denver. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, but, but yeah, like, it's actually quite interesting seeing, like, I think especially for us, Greg, like, we're we're huge MLS guys, if you obviously, like, I think we could even do a CHN uh, podcast network, like, MLS show, and it would yeah. be fucking great, honestly. Um, but, like, we've seen, like, part of Miggy's brilliance is literally playing him centrally and just allowing him to have that freedom, especially, especially because he's so one footed, um, but also has that, that burst of pace. And so like when you play him, like, even if it doesn't feel like it should be out of position, if you play him out of position, he's just not going to be as effective. And so seeing him centrally and seeing him thrive in the premier league and kind of proving that he belongs here, but like he belongs here when he's playing as a central attacking midfielder, I mean, that's cool to see, especially as, like, a long-time Miggy fan. Uh, and I love that. And I think that a lot of Newcastle fans have now kind of sw- flipped the switch and realized, hey, you know what, Miggy's, Miggy's good. Miggy's probably a uh, top three player at Newcastle. Um, and I think with the top three, whatever your top three is, it's kind of fluid as, as to who you put at one or two or three. But I think he's definitely top three player at Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, so going into the break, so Ryan Fraser replaced him and it didn't take long. It was less than 10 minutes, um, where we, we went up and it was, it was great and it was deserved. Um, and it was, uh, a lot of it was the testament to Alan T. Maxman literally refusing to give up. Um, and he was on the left-hand side of the box and he was just like, just broke down person by person. <laughs> Wolves entire defense and midfield and he crossed the ball which reached Ryan Fraser uh and he sent a, a, a really nice cross over to LaSalle's who rose and, and headed down 
into the net for a lovely one nothing lead for Newcastle United. What's your thoughts on, on that play? And Mac- Maxman did that a few times in this match. Yeah, um, I, I think like it was cool because that kind of I wouldn't say it was like a set piece goal, but it came as a result of maybe was it a corner or a free kick or something like that. Like yeah, that kind of basically had Jamal ourselves up in that area. Um, and that honestly, like I will say this about Newcastle's past match, set pieces were were looking dangerous. It was looking like Newcastle could score from a variety of ways, uh, especially off of set pieces. So that was cool to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, shout out to Ryan Fraser. I mean, I think it's no secret. He's probably the best crosser of, of everyone, anyone in the club. I think it's, it's, it's been made, certainly in terms of frequency, he's one to do it a lot. Uh, and so it's good. And again, like you said, speaks to the bros of Alan Maxman. Um, but I do want to point out that like, that might be something worth mentioning as we get down into the nitty gritty, um, you know, having a guy and who's first or second option is to cross. It is a welcome, I don't know. I wouldn't say a welcome surprise, but it's nice to have when you have, you know, your main attacking players in terms of Alex and Maxman and, and, and uh, Miguel or guys who definitely like to dribble and shoot and lay off. It's nice to have a guy who, who wants to, to swing in crosses, even if we don't have maybe, as much of an aerial threat as we did uh, with Callum Wilson. So I don't know. I, I think that's my, my big takeaway from that Jamal. Salisbury. And shout out to Jamal. I mean, he had a good game and this was cool. So for him to cap it off with, with a goal. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately though, that for Newcastle, that was the best it got. Uh, ASM came off. Um, he, for who was it? Jacob Murphy. It was Jacob Murphy. And uh, it, it uh, it didn't go well after that, and we were maybe twenty minutes after Newcastle's goal. It was a attack down the right, and another this player is bad moment. Jamal Lewis. We might have the worst fullbacks in the Premier League. Uh, Emil Kraft and Jamal Lewis. They just constantly get beat, and that's just it. Like, yes, Jamal Lewis is young, but he's not good enough. That's just the simple fact of it. Um, just could, not could that be? young. Sure. Like, I think he, what is he, 23? Like, I feel like when we talk about Jamal Lewis being young, it's like, oh, yeah, he's young. And it's like, I'm pretty sure Tariq Lamptey's younger than him and is way better than him. <laughs> yeah. Like, and we were linked to Tariq. And so it's like, it's very, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. We go that uh, it, I mean, it, it's not good. He just constantly gets burned. Yeah. He's 23. And Tariq um, Lamptey's 20. So. Yeah. Put that into perspective. I, I do think it's it's like it, it's interesting because again, like I think in and not even related to us. I think it was maybe uh, I don't even remember. Maybe Southampton, uh, but like one another Norwich defender was signed by another team, and like uh, Kim McCauley, who's a, another well former SB Nation writer, and uh, she's now working for the NWSL like LA team as a scout. Which sick, yeah, that's a great come up. Uh, she mentioned like during, I think it, it might've been like, uh, I'm pretty sure with Southampton, just like, like, why is everyone shocked that like a defender from a Norwich team that was not good at defending is not great. Like that. And that's kind of like, and once she said that it, and it did not apply to Jamal Lewis at all, but it, it just changed my whole like frame of mind regarding Jamal is like, we, we brought him in and like, there was a lot of promise, but like, 
we just conveniently ignored the fact that Norwich was not a good defensive team. Like, it's not like we were signing a defender from the best team in the championship or we were signing a defender from, like, you know, a mid-table side. You know, it was like we signed a defender who was not the best defender on the worst defense in the Premier League last season. So it's uh, it's it's interesting, like, seeing that kind of play out and us kind of gra- hold on and grasp that hope. But it's, like, it's really frustrating watching Jamal play because, like – It's so bad. It's so bad, but it's not like Emil Kraft bad. Where Emil Kraft is like, it's he's bad and he doesn't offer anything in attack. But then every so often, Jamal Lewis does something in attack, and you're like, damn, like he could be yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 very like it's interesting because it's like it's it's kind of Trent Alexander Arnold vibes. And I might get canceled or roasted for this, but if you look at you know Trent Alexander Arnold, and I'd love to. To I, and you can fact check me this on this. We've had this discussion a ton among me and my internal soccer group, me friends that I bring up on this podcast, maybe far too much. But Trent Alexander Arnold is actually just not really a good defender, but he is such a good offensive player that it makes up for it. And like that's probably Jamal Lewis's future. Is like he's not a great one-on-one defender. He's not a great team defender at all. But, like, he has the potential to be an insanely great offensive talent. And, like, but that, like, when you're in a relegation scrap, like, that doesn't matter. Like, you need to be a somewhat decent defender uh, because, like, we can we just can't afford to give up goals. And so that that's kind of the, the issue I have with Jamal. It's like, I see the promise in him in attack, but, like, the here and now as it regards to defending is so bad. And like we've we've seen bad defenders of the fullback position in Newcastle for the past four years. So yeah, for him to be in that conversation being like really bad is 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 not great. Yeah. Uh, so so on the goal. So yeah, Pedro Neto burned Jamal Lewis, and he crossed the ball to Ruben Neves, and he headed it past Debraka. Debraka got a hand on it. And he probably should have kept it out. Let's be honest, uh, but he didn't. And. Uh, one thing that we'll definitely talk about or that we should talk about is uh, the Hayden and Richie situation right before it. So uh, it was just seconds earlier, but there was personnel change. Hayden did not get the instructions via Richie uh, to occupy like a certain defensive position. And he was standing off of Nevis for that goal. Um, Steve Bruce blamed Richie on that not himself. Um, and Jamal LaSalle's even said, which is extremely damning. The captain said after the match that we had no idea what we were doing during that play. I like, <laughs> woo, that's the stuff that like, that's like, that's like um, too many men on the field in an NFL game or like, like that is like stuff that like, you are missing details as a coaching staff. And that is simple. And tr- like, I don't care if you whispered it in Matt Ritchie's ear and that's how it way it's always been done. You need to clearly let your, your team know exactly what's going on. So everyone's on the same page at all times. It, it, like, I'm sorry, you could pay too much money as a, as a manager to let something like that happen. And it's, un- it's so bad. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where. And then to blame it on the player. Oh yeah, I mean that's even worse. But I think when in the case in in this particular situation, if we isolate this and look at Newcastle, 
it's one thing for this to happen, but it's one thing for this to happen multiple times. And let's 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 go back in the in the time machine and look at Steve Bruce's first ever game in charge. Jetro, the same thing happened, and Newcastle gave up a goal. Uh, so it's like, man, it's just not a good look. And then for you to kind of know that in the back of your head, and then blame players is is something else. Um, and like I think we know this now after watching the match. Newcastle at that point did change formations. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to like a, a, I guess what a three in the back, five in the back sort of thing. And, and so like, understandably there was confusion, but again, like that, like you, like Greg said, I mean, that that's still on you as a manager. Um, you have to, if you're going to change formations at that point in time during a match, you have to be way more vocal. Like you can't be concerned with like, Oh, what if the other team, here? No, shut up. no, the the important thing is to make sure that your own team knows what the heck is going on, uh, and and they just didn't. And uh, I mean, we can we can go down a rabbit hole of Steve mm-hmm. Bruce and his substitution decisions, but it's not necessary. I mean, we kind of it's bad. All, yeah, yeah, we knew that something like this could happen. It you has know, happened. It probably you, will happen again. Like, why not? Like, you you do not when you're up one nothing in this situation. Why do you just sub on the smallest players on the pitch? Like, you know you're going to bunker anyway. If you're changing the formation to a defensive formation, you don't. You lost Alan St. Maximin. You lost Miguel Almiron, two, your two clearly best players on the pitch, and you don't have your best striker. Why do you not just sub on Andy Carroll and be like, hey, just defend all of the set pieces? Like, that's what you're here for. Like, drop back a little deeper than you normally do, and all, all set pieces, I want you in the box. Like, and, and Sean Longstaff, like, hey, be a defensive midfielder. Just, like, get your height and get ups. Like, why why are you subbing on Ryan? Like, well, the Ryan Fraser thing panned out. But no, but uh, also, like, that also made sense where it was, like, you needed a goal and you – like, yeah, that's different. The, that, that, that's, that's way different, different because I'm talking about no, after we were up 1-0. Oh, yeah. No, if you're up 1-0. It's, it's unbelievable yeah. that these are the subs that you sub on, like I, – I just – I'm – you sub on Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie. When you're you just needed you just need to bunker down to get a 1-0 win and, and but, get a little bit of breathing room and you just can't I even mean, do that. I, I would I would this is my thing that I don't get is you sub on Jacob Murphy, and I feel like that is probably a better point to switch to the back five. Yeah, because we know Jacob Murphy's a competent like right wing back. And I think that was the weird thing for me, was like I feel like the Matt Ritchie sub never needed to happen. If anything like that sub should have been a Sean Longson or something where you just are kind of bunkering and you have a little bit of an outlet. You still have an outlet with, with, uh, with, with Ryan Fraser. You still have the outlet available. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know. It just felt like, again, like the, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel like the, the right decision. It feels like, and, and I don't know. I mean, and again, like Emil Kraft, like, kind of picked up a little bit of a knock and kind of got subbed off. And so your your deal you're playing with fire, but it just felt like you could have you could have made an adjustment earlier. Um and I understand maybe you're trying to push for two goals. And, it, uh, and to be fair, it almost happened. I mean, like they almost got two goals. And I, do you want to talk about the the big story of of Joe Linton and his his miss per se? Is that uh, yeah, and I even missed the probably the biggest match is uh Joe Willicks. <laughs> I, I, I hate I didn't want to say it, but I think that honestly is the most annoying thing is that Bro. everyone's making a big deal about the Joel Linton one, which 
again, the keeper did not – the keeper made the wrong decision. Like, yeah. he was legitimately like, that's a goal if the defender doesn't make an insane block. And I'm that's not even me being a Joel Linton apologist. It's like, look at look at the play. Like, it's not a great shot. I'll give you that. It's, it's still not an unsavable shot, but the keeper is beat. And at the end of the day, that is what matters when you score goals. Like, there's a lot of goals, even if you look at Cal Wilson's goals. There's a lot of goals where the location of the ball was not great, but the keeper was beat, and it's yeah. a goal. And when you write it down, it says Cal Wilson scored 93rd minute. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and so, but Willick, Willick hit it straight at the keeper. Oh my gosh, out. I was so frustrated. And he had time. Yeah, that, that I think that was way worse than Joel Linton winning. Again. That was one of the worst misses this year. I mean, Temple, like you were in the middle, of, you were at the penalty area with time. Yeah. And you just hit it straight at the keeper. Right. Ryan Fraser had a bad one earlier. Where oh, it was like yeah. A ball yeah, over yeah. the top. He was 1v1 at the keeper. That yeah, was yeah. pretty bad, too. But Willick is up there, and I know Willick definitely – kind of knows that it was it was bad but yeah i mean oh my gosh Jeez. Uh, like that like newcastle could have won this game um again if i, I guarantee you if Callum wilson started we win easily if Callum wilson starts we win three nothing that's what i mean he, he, but, but like but basically and i think the interesting thing that is that's worth noting is that like newcastle's last six goals have not been scored or assisted by Callum wilson mm-hmm. um and so it's like it's just the threat of him being there it does something to defenses. And Newcastle don't have another threat like that. I mean, outside of Alan St. Maximin and maybe Miggy, but like Callum Wilson being there in addition to those two makes a massive difference. And like Joe Linton, Andy Carroll, and uh, Dwight Gale just don't – they don't command that same level of respect that Callum Wilson does. Um, yeah. and so it, it's, it's a bit annoying and obviously incredibly frustrating – but again, I, I don't know. I mean, we might get dragged or canceled for this for saying the Joel Linton miss wasn't as bad as it was, because again, cleared off the line. Like if we we're in Newcastle, if if that was us on the other end, we would be like freaking praising the hell out of whatever defender did that. And we've done that on this podcast with Federico Fernandez, with Jamal Sells, with Fabian Share, with insane DeAndre. Where key, yeah, DeAndre, where our keeper was beat and the defender closed it off the line, and it's not even the best place shot. Uh, but unfortunately, like it's Joel Linton. So I mean, as I long mean, as he has that forty million pound price tag, yeah. and he doesn't score twenty goals a season. He's going to get that. <laughs> like he's, he's just going to get the brunt of everything. Yep. It's unfortunate. Um, I mean, you know, that's how it is. Before going to quotes and stats, I just uh, wanted to congratulate congratulate one player on the player who made sure that we got it got a point, and that's Martin Dubravka. He absolutely saved this match for us. It was a loss waiting to happen. Um, he he absolutely like just turned up and, and and saved the game for us, like he has numerous times again. So uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, the the Fabio Silva save that went off his collarbone that was wild. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out to Fabio Silva, uh, FIFA Wonder Kid. Yeah, people forget you always. I love that you always stick to to. Committing to the FIFA one to get shout outs. Going to stats or quotes. Are you good to go to move there? Yeah, I, I, I did want to just mention that again. I play a lot of FIFA. So, yeah, uh, I know the Wonder Kids. Steve Bruce said, We're disappointed because we had the big chances. They had a couple at the death, but in the first half, we've had three wonderful chances and then one with Jolinton with 10 minutes to go. 
It's the same story. If you create chances but don't take them in the Premier League, you'll get punished. We should stop the cross, and I think the goalkeeper will think that he could have kept it out. Maybe it's a great save at the end, but I know he'll be disappointed with the goal. The instructions, Maddie didn't get onto the team quick enough on how we were doing it. Uh, when you look at the Wolves' goal, we should have stopped the cross. That was a frustration for all of us, we'll, but we'll have to concede that one and make sure our instructions get on. We'll do it. We'll do it from the sideline in the future. Um, he said, I've been quite pleased with how we've gone about our work. I've enjoyed watching us play today, but disruptions and injuries to our big players is the biggest concern for Miggy to be upset. Like he is, we unfortunately fear the worst was Steve Bruce's concerns. That doesn't sound good. Okay. Uh, wait, time out, time out real quick on that. Steve Bruce feared the worst with, uh, Javi Mankio. did not fear the worst with Callum Wilson, by the way, fear the worst for Javi Mankio, and Javi Mankio might be available this Sunday. So, yeah. I think Steve Bruce is probably not the best source for like anything. Gauging injuries. Um, we're talking about John Drew Shelby. <laughs> uh, he said, we're going to have to find a way to win without Callum, Almiron, and Maximin. Our top goal st- scorer last year only scored six goals, and we managed to find a way to get some results. There's still a long way to go. Everybody in the bottom half will be looking over their shoulder. It's an accumulation of points that matters. So let's take the positives. That's what Bruce said. Any comments on that? Yeah, I, I just, I'm just not, I'm, um, I'm not for calling out players. If you're a manager, there's never an, ex, there's never a, an appropriate opportunity to call out any of your own players. And Steve Bruce, he's done that so much this season that it feels like it's going to happen. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I just, I don't like that, uh, that aspect. Um, I also. I'm also hoping for the best here going forward with West Brom. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, one out of the two injuries isn't bad. I think that we won't be without both Miggy and Alex Maxman. And again, for you people that are listening to this on Thursday, I could be completely wrong, but you know, I don't know. I feel like Steve Bruce, uh, I don't trust his, his uh, judgment on injuries at all, but I also just feel like, uh, this has been a weird season, and yep. guys who we thought were going to be out, Jamal Lewis is a good example. I mean, there's been a couple matches where he's been set off early, and then he comes back and plays the full ninety. The next, you know, next match. Do we yep. want him to play the full ninety? Like, I don't know, but he did. He he did it, and it happened. So um, I think one of those two are going to be available. Yeah. Um, Jamal Lascelles scored his seventh Premier League goal. Um. It came against Reed Patricio. It takes him level with Matt Ritchie, Jonas Gutierrez, Carl Court, Mark Viduka, and Steven Glass as most goals scored for Newcastle United. Um, it was Martin Dubravka's first Premier League game since the season closer against Liverpool in July of 2020. Uh, going to expected goals, Newcastle led in expected goals, 1.95 to 1.28. So like a two to one win is what expected goal says Newcastle should have gotten. Elijah, any thoughts on um, who led in expected goals? Joe Willick. No. Your theory may be right. It was actually Joe Linton. I think it was maybe because Joe Lick, uh, Joe Willick had that one chance. It was worth 0. 0.46. Uh, 
Joe Linton had a few other accumulations, but he ended up at 0.48. So it was Joe Linton had the most, but um, Joe Willick definitely had the biggest miss of the group. Um, do you know who had the most expected assists at 0.61? I'm going to say Allen St. Maximum, maybe. Correct. Definite. Uh, nobody else was even close to that one. So ASM had a great performance there. I can't uh, believe you left was... out the the most important Jamal Sell stat that everyone was pointing out. Oh, uh, shit. What one? Um, that his last Premier League goal came against Wolves in uh, the 1920 season in a 1-1 draw. The 1920 <laughs> season, huh? Yeah. Well, 19- like, the, like, you know, 19 slash 20. Like 20 oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, Jamal Sells, 108 years come old. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Um, going to uh, staff, Newcastle had 54% of the chances. Um, they had 19 shots to Wolves' 14, seven on target to Wolves' four. Uh, they had six passes within 20 yards of the goal to Wolves' five. PPDA, got to be the lowest I've ever seen with Newcastle, 5.97. Wolves had 12.82. So Newcastle literally better in every statistic for points. We had 1.86 expected points to, to Wolves 0.9. Um, so, so expected stats say that Newcastle should have gotten three points on this. Going to 538, what we're looking at there, uh, nothing's changed. We have a, we have, we're, they're expecting us to finish with 38 points, a two point lead on Fulham. Uh, they're expecting us to finish eight goals worse on goal difference in Fulham, but uh, a two-point advantage in the table. Uh, we have, we still have a chance to win the Premier League, still have a chance to qualify for Champions League, a 32% chance to get relegated, and less than a 1% chance of a top 10 finish. Uh, in the global soccer rankings, your, your dearest Newcastle United, uh, last, year, last week I think we were at um, 96th or something. Oh, no, 92nd. We moved up one spot. Um, we jumped Torino of Syria, and we are in 91st best club in the world. Two spots ahead of Norwich, just behind Marseille and CSK in Moscow. Um, Elijah, who's your man of the match? I mean, it's tough. Um you kind of alluded to it. I think Miguel was was good, and he was by far and away, you know, one of the best players in the first half. But I don't, I don't know if I can, in good faith, give it to him because he only played in the first half. Um, I think, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'd have to. It's kind of tough because all the players that I think played well all left early. Like I think Alan Maxman was also really good. But he also left early. Uh, so maybe yeah. in that case, maybe I'll give it to Jamal Lascelles. I mean, he got the goal, um, was good in defense. Um, easily, I would say, the most organized Newcastle's defenses looked in a, in a, in a few matches for sure. Um, I definitely think that Dubrovka brings an extra level of organization that we did not really see with Carl Darlow. We didn't really see Dubrovka's best distribution. Um, now we're, but we're getting into the nitty gritty when we talk about distribution, but I mean, that's kind of been my big annoyance with Carl Darlow. Um, but yeah, I think Jamal LaSalle's did a really good job of organizing the back line, mm-hmm. uh, as the Wolves have a ton of attacking talent, like eight, and that's no surprise. And it felt like for the most part, the majority of this match, they felt a bit neutralized and, 
I'm going to credit Jamal for that, and he got the goal. So, yeah, we'll give it to Jamal, man of the match. Yeah, I'm going to give it to ASM. I mean, he played a little over an hour and was – That's fair, yeah. I would have given it to Miggy, but obviously, I mean, you can, I mean, for a half. But, yeah, he, he did good. I mean, Joe Willick did good. Just had that terrible miss. Um, yeah, and actually, yeah, Joe Willick, according to who scored? Joe, oh, who scored? So the players that got a seven or above, the first one I'm about to name is shocking. Emil Kraft. <laughs> Oh, he got a 7.05. Uh, then I mean, Joe Willick. He, Allen he might have, like, honestly, he might he have, like, a, a like more tackles than anyone. Like, that might be it. Like, tackles or blocks, I'm guessing. Because I feel like I he feel like he got. aerial duels, which is most on the teams. Okay. I mean, does he have a lot of blocks? I feel like he got beat, but then was able to recover. Maybe. I don't that, know. Feels, that feels like Emil Kraft. Yeah, that could be very Emil Kraftian of him. Um, okay, are you good to take a break? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we probably should have taken a break like a long time ago. An hour ago? Who, yeah. who knows? Whatever, we'll be fine. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to start with a little bit of unfortunate news. And I highly recommend that you all go check out our website, coming home, newcastle.sbnation.com. Uh, on Sunday, uh, news broke that former Newcastle United player and manager Glenn Roeder passed away at age 65. Um, the League Managers Association spoke of a long battle with a brain tumor. Um, Alan Shearer, who played with Roeder at St. James Park, tweeted that uh, he said, so sad, a fantastic man. Uh, his uh, assistant coach, Nigel Pearson, called him a man with incredible integrity, humility, warmth, humor, and humanity. Uh, he arrived at Newcastle from QPR uh, during the 83-84 season, uh, the promotion season, uh, and he became the captain of Newcastle. He made 219 appearances with the club before leaving in 1989. Uh, and then he, he started in coaching and managerial. Um, he returned to Newcastle as a ca- Academy director in June of 05. Um, but by the following February, he was tear- take caretaker manager uh, following departure of Grand Sunis. Um, so, he uh, he w- got Newcastle to an inner Toto Cup place and then into the UEFA Cup. He gave Andy Carroll and Tim Kroll their senior chances, and he remained uh, in charge until the 06-07 season, just right before the arrival. Mm-hmm. Of, my gosh, it was actually the first season I started watching Newcastle uh, as, a, as an American fan. So um, Along with like Rob Lee and Les Ferdinand, he was a Southerner who became like was affectioned and loved as a Northerner. Like we, the the North adopted him for sure, and we obviously mourn his passing. Uh, Elijah, would you like to say anything about Glenn Roeder? Any any comments on that? And go check out our article. Well done by Adam of the False Nines. Um, it, just really sad anytime this happens. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry. Voice crack. Yeah. Uh, agree. Um, 
I would, I mean, uh, I was just going to plug Adam as well. I think Adam is one of the rare members of our coming home Newcastle family, which by the way, if you're interested in joining it, hit me up. You, yeah. you guys know where to follow me on Twitter. I actually didn't say it today. Follow me at Elijah underscore Newsom. Yeah. You can hit me up on Twitter there, but yeah, uh, he's one of the uh, few guys that's been following the club and Greg is in that boat. Uh, when Glenn, Glenn Roder was there and leading the charge and Adam even goes as far back to supporting the club when Glenn Roder was a player. So um, it's like, it's cool to see his perspective and, and get his write up on the whole situation, which would be just vastly different than you guys know me. I do like a lot of news stuff for the site and it would have been very cookie cutter. I'm, I'm not going to cut corners with you guys. It would have been very cookie cutter. Like, Hey, this is what he did, blah, blah, blah. And seeing like Adam's take on it has just been really cool and very refreshing. And, Honestly, like definitely would recommend all of you read it. Um, I mean, I think I'm telling Greg, it's a, it's a nice surprise to see Adam kind of dive into the writing side of things uh, in our coming home Newcastle family. But yeah, it's yeah. honestly really sad. And obviously our thoughts and, and prayers are with, with the family and all of his friends. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have, we have some things to talk about. Uh First of the youth club, I'll just mention the Man City U18s destroyed Newcastle 4-1 to and Reading U23s beat us 2-1. to Oh, sorry, Manchester City won 4-1, to Reading won 2-1 against the U23s, and Stan Flaherty scored again. That's seven goals and 14 appearances, has two assists. So, beast. Yeah, he, he's, he's scoring. But there's a couple of things to note. First, before we get into the, like, really odd things – um, Kyle Scott. So he apparently he, Kyle Scott has flown to the USA. He's, he's represented Ireland, I think Ireland, America and England in the youth national ranks. Um, but he's 23 years old and he's apparently like locked on for a move with FC Cincinnati, going to form former two man CM Dion. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just crazy all around that. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be – it just didn't work out here. He did have an injury, but he also has been healthy and fa- failed to do anything with it. Um, okay. Let's talk about the big news. So the Athletic okay. reported today that an unnamed group of former Newcastle United junior players have become – have, have sued Newcastle United. <laughs> and uh, this isn't funny, but it's just like the most Newcastle thing that – uh, so they began, be, they began, begun civil proceedings against the club, uh, talking about mistreatment during their time there. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, like when we had an academy director, like who was convicted of pedophilia in the nineties. So I think it was really, it seems like it's related to that. The club had no comments, but also we had an issue from the mail newspaper. So academy director, Joe Joyce. Uh, he has to stand down from his role because his wife raised a dispute with Newcastle United over the treatment of their son. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and I'm just like, like what? And, and what she was saying, like someone mentioned, like, how do we know? Well, and like what she said, it was like, you read it and you're like, Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense for Newcastle. Yeah. Essentially she was saying like, yeah, our son, uh, he got injured in Newcastle, didn't handle it correctly. There, And then you look at it and you're like, huh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, uh, Newcastle mishandling injuries, yeah, that, that's that's on brand for, for yeah. the club. 
it was miscellaneous injuries. She brought it up. She is actually um, so so his wife is one of the club's longest serving. Oh no. Why is it his wife? Joe Joyce is one of the club's longest serving employees. And now Steve Harper's taking over, but um, he was a U18 player, Sam Joyce. And now he's on a scholarship in the United States. Shout so out to uh, collegiate soccer. Yeah. Uh, do we know where he is actually? That'd be honestly, I feel like you could look up the name. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm checking right now. Oh, Missouri State. Okay, not not great, but hey, I think it's D one. Yeah, that's yeah, it is D one. Um, he did not play in 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 twenty nineteen. <laughs> um, okay, but so they they kind of they kind of did that knowing that there was literally no chance that he could you know play for the club. So there's no there's yeah. no uh, there's no risk in doing this. Yeah, well, yeah, that it's just it just never ends with this club. But um, a couple other notes I just want to mention: uh, Kel Watts scored a goal for Plymouth, and Amanda Stavely lost to Barclays Bank in her court case. Yeah, it was a—I wouldn't say it was a tough case to win, but it didn't. It felt like the longer the case went on, the the lower her chances were to actually um, maybe getting the outcome that she felt she deserved. So. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate, but again, not super surprising. Yeah. Um, also, uh, just my, I have one more thing to announce is former Newcastle player Stuart Finley has joined okay. my hometown club, Philadelphia Union. He made one total appearance for Newcastle in the FA Cup. All right. Hey. <laughs> um, but was that under Rafa too when Rafa was just like, Hey, uh, by the well, way, we have the FA Cup, and we're just not gonna like care who plays in it. No, it was it was. Uh, oh yeah, he was definitely there with when Rafa was there because he he I remember left that. in 2018. But we're, I think it's appearance Rafa, in 2016. Okay, I just remember Rafa just being like, we just had like a couple matches in the FA Cup where Rafa was just like, yeah, we're just gonna play all these academy players. <laughs> yeah. Um, Exactly. Let's 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 take another break, Elijah. Let's yeah. talk about our next match, a big one, a six-pointer against our former manager, Sam Allardyce in West Brom. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at toonarmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, Elijah, big one for us, <laughs> Newcastle versus West Brom. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in this show, uh, we don't know exactly what the inter- injury situation is. So do your best and just how, how do we line up? What do we do? Uh, like, how do we set up against West Brom here? Yeah, this is a weird one. Uh, I think because like there are some maybes that are good maybes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but just bear with me here. Um, we we there was a maybe regarding Federico Fernandez ahead of our previous match to me against Wolves, and so that that being said, I think he's a maybe for this match as well. Um, Javi Mankio was back in training, 
which is always a good sign as well. So yep. that's a good maybe because as we've mentioned multiple times, Emil Kraft is, um, how do we say this nicely? Just really bad. Um, <laughs> so uh, so let's go with the mindset that Newcastle are playing the best available players. Um, I think Dubrovka doesn't lose his place in goal. Uh, the, the goal that he let in wasn't great, but he also made – two or three really insane saves. And as a whole, Newcastle um, looked as if they were sort of competent in defense, not as threatened as they have been in the past. And again, like you're going up, I don't know. I don't even want to say, and again, you're going up against a a worse attack. The Wolves attack is a good attack. I mean, uh, so I think it's worth mentioning, like, yeah, they, they held their own. And and they've been doing well recently. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 that's good interruption. Uh, yeah. So I think the, the that part of the lineup is fine. I think you're going to see uh, Jamal Lewis, um, you know, Jamal LaSalle's Martin Dubravka. Um, I said that out of order, but who cares? Um, maybe Federico Fernandez. And if not Federico Fernandez, it'll be Kieran Clark. And then uh, we'll go Javier Keo. And if not Javier Keo, uh, it's going to be Emil Kraft. Uh, and then Isaac Hayden as a CDM uh, with Jaja Shelby and Joe Willock kind of supporting him ahead of him um and then uh, of course the front three is where it gets interesting um i'm i i've said this multiple times i'm, I'm of the boat that we will have one of the two alan st maxman and miguel Amron. so let's go ryan frazier and miguel Amron with joel linton up top i feel like that's realistic mm-hmm. um but if not if not right if sorry if both guys are injured I can see Jacob Murphy coming in, and I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like there were moments. Jacob Murphy had one really good moment, honestly, to set up the Joel Linton chase, I believe, where he, like, dribbled through a few players and, you know, was able to play a decent pass. So it's not that Jacob Murphy's terrible, but he's just, he's just not as good as, you know, Allison Maximum or Mega Amron. So – um, I think that's probably your natural replacement if both of those guys are injured. It's going to be a Fraser or Murphy, Joel Linton uh, situation. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, it, it's it's a really risky position to be in for Newcastle because we're three points from from the drop zone and we are far away from from winning the goal difference race against Fulham. So we need points from this. Um, so. One one thing to so one thing to look at is West Brom. They have points in their last so in their last three matches, they've gotten five of a nine possible points. So they're on a little hot streak there, and they they haven't been playing like scrubs either. I mean, they got a point from Man United. They drew Burnley and they beat Brighton, um, and were level on points with Brighton. So they're definitely going to be feeling good about themselves, and and with us potentially having. There's a chance Miguel Amaran, Alan St. Maxman, and Callum Wilson are out. Uh, they got to be feeling even way better about themselves for that. Alex, is there any players that you want to shout out as like just people we need to look out for? I do want to shout out uh, to all the West Coast people just overall because this is a 4 a.m. kickoff for them. Yes, so I will not be uh, present. Yeah, big, big shout out to them for that not being wonderful. Um, again, they picked up points against Brighton. Uh, three, yeah, three points, yeah, three points against Brighton. Um, I mean, they they've got 
decent players. Uh, Matthews, Perea, and Connor Gallagher are my. Yeah, I mean, I also think Ansley Mait- Maitland Niles is a is a is a is a solid player as well. I don't think he's you know put it all together there, but he's a player where there's it's high potential. I'm not going to say FIFA Wonder Kid, but FIFA Wonder Kid, uh, Ansley Maitland Maitland Niles, but he's a player that so far hasn't tremendously impressed for West Brom, but his club believes in him. A lot of English clubs believe in in, in his ability as a player. So I think that's something to look at. Again, Perea is obviously and, and Gallagher definitely. I mean Gallagher's been on a on a tear. He got the assist the last match as well. Yeah, um, they so, have they have seven goals and five assists between them, um, which is like that's that's ASM Callum Wilson level. Uh, that's like all, all of their goals, except like Kyle Bartley. Kyle Bartley's a center back has three goals for them, so that's like last year Newcastle type level. Also, kind of testament to uh, set pieces. Yeah, which Newcastle are not great at defending, much better than they were, but still not. I wouldn't if 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 my life was on the line and it was like Newcastle have to defend this set piece goal and you will live i would i would not take those odds (laughs) at all um all right you you want to go to predictions yeah um yeah let's go to predictions let's let's do it i'll go first so uh just to give 538 um newcastle has a 41 percent chance to win a 31% chance to lose and a 28% chance to draw. So uh, even better odds in the Wolves match. I'm going to go out here and say that if Miguel Amaran, uh, ASM, and Callum Wilson all do not play, Newcastle United will win one to nothing. If one, two, or three of them play, Newcastle wins three to one. Wait, okay. Three of them couldn't play. What's that? Wait, you said McGowan, Kyle Wilson, and Alan St. Maxwell. Yeah. Three if, of them couldn't play. Yeah, I said, yeah, if none of them play, we'll win one nothing. Okay. If any amount of them play, we'll win three to one. Yeah, you made, you specifically said one to three of them. So I'm just saying, like, it will be one to two of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's but like, what a, I'm saying. yeah, no, I, I would say. Win this one. Yeah, I, I just – there's not enough – We are better than them. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like with Wolves, like I think you have to put into perspective, like the Wolves attack, like there's – you could take the Wolves attack, take one of those players, like doesn't matter, and they would slide to our starting 11. Mm-hmm. Like it's just they, – they have a good attack. Yeah. I think that they've – they and especially like recently they've started to get healthy and people are seeing that the attack – oh, yes – People forget this Wolves team is good. They were like damn near knocking on Europa League for the past three seasons. Uh, so I do think that's something to, like you said, it's worth mentioning. And, and it's it's not the end of the world that we drew against Wolves. I mean, we picked us to draw against Wolves. West yeah. Brom is a team that we should be beating. Uh, we're coming up a, a, on a run of teams that we should be beating, um, or at least kind of in the conversation. Like we should not be losing to these teams. Um, we should not yeah. be losing to a Crystal Palace. Um, Crystal Palace is fine; they're a solid team, but like a draw is is the is this expectation. And in this situation, at a minimum, Newcastle should be getting a draw. I would also pick a one nothing win. I feel like West Brom is a they're they're a team that 
is definitely like in the mix for like not even definitely they are in the mix for relegation, and I feel like it's not a mistake. Like no one's yeah. surprised that they're in the mix for relegation. It's just like oh yeah, I mean we <laughs> picked them to go down. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I think that at a minimum we go one nothing win. Um, especially with the amount, the volume of chances Newcastle were able to create against Wolves, which again, a solid team, better defense than West, than West Brom. So I would imagine like you get that same volume, you know, a, a keeper that's probably not as good. Maybe you're getting, you know, one or two goals scored as opposed to nothing in that first half. Yeah. Um, but again, like I do think I cannot understate how important having Alante Maxman or – uh, Miguel Aaron is and but uh, again want to bring up that counterpoint of Ryan Fraser people forget he's really good so um, there there is a potential that this is a match Ryan Fraser could take over and single-handedly himself win for Newcastle yeah. it's not completely out of the realm of possibility and I want to make sure that everyone's kind of on the same page there like that like I don't want to throw that out the window um, but yeah I would pick one one nothing win for Newcastle here um, West Brom's goal difference is minus 35. Yeah, it's not great. Ours is the third worst in the Premier League at minus 17. Okay, well, you know. So it's just like, but I'm just showing the gap between us and them. Like they have the worst goal difference in the Premier League. Like, like Sheffield United has a seven goal difference better than West Brom. Uh, like, oh. yeah, and Sheffield United has 11 total points which is tied for the worst in Premier League history uh, if they don't get a point the rest of the year. Hey, so, by the way, don't forget Sheffield United picked up points against us. So, Yep, yep. Um, we have, we're minus 17. They're minus 35. I mean, just they are not good. Uh, so let's just, let's just hope we, we can get some, something out of it. Elijah, anything else that you'd like to say before we depart this lovely evening? Yeah, I do think that if Newcastle don't pick up at least a point here, you're looking at squeaky bum time. Oh, I mean, I'm very confident that Fulham are not as good as their run of form has been. And it's like part of their good run of form has been just they've played a lot of teams that you could also argue Newcastle could beat. Like, it's like you look at their fixture list, it's not overly impressive. But also, like, it, it's it's squeaky bum time if you are able to pick up points against West Brom because the expectation is that you're able to pick up points against West Brom and also pick up points against, like, you know, the likes of Crystal Palace uh, mm-hmm. or any, or Southampton. Or maybe not Southampton. I don't know if we play Southampton in, in, in the near future. or But, yeah, like Crystal Palace, Fulham, Wolves, et cetera. It, the expectation is that we're able to pick up points against them and, and not picking up points against West Brom is not – a step in the right direction if you're Newcastle there. So uh, that's why I would say it's squeaky bum time. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, my last question before we head out is yeah. I'm going to tell you our, our matchups at home. Uh, how many points do you think we'll get? Okay. One for, I want to stop you there at home means nothing. There's no fans. Uh, it kind of does. It kind of does for it, Newcastle. It, I feel. Uh, I, I'm very anti at like home in a in a way during a pandemic means anything like maybe mentally it does something to the players but like 
Well, yeah. Literally, there. I don't know. There's just not that big of an advantage. When there's no fans, I don't know what the advantage is. Like, I mean, no travel. Like, every- like you get to stay at your home with your family the night before. You get to eat where you want to eat. You can go to the barber shop that you always go to. There's a ton of comforts that happen at, at from being where where you reside and not having to travel and stay in a hotel and quarantine off and you can't leave. And there's definitely benefits. Nothing you said just now gave me any sort of confidence for Newcastle. That's like, I feel like our home matches haven't been drastically better than our away matches. I feel like if you look at Newcastle match by match, it's just been like, it feels like every single one of these matches home or away comes down to how prepared the team is. Is Steve Bruce going to be like competent that day or not? It doesn't like that's kind of honestly that's what I focus on more than whether that's a home or away match. If that makes sense, like it feels like the fate is purely in Steve Bruce's ability to do the bare minimum for Newcastle rather than like Newcastle being at home or, or away. Yeah, maybe oh. it makes a difference for other teams. Like maybe it's like it's it's it gives us an advantage because West Brom is not going to be at their best. But, like, for Newcastle itself, I personally see no difference between Newcastle at home and Newcastle away. I I feel like it's all up to, is Steve Bruce prepared today or is he not? Oh, well, that's an entire – yeah, that's entirely – Exactly, yeah. All right, well, uh, so then I guess we won't do that question? (laughs) I mean, no, I I mean, where were you going with that? I'm curious, where were you going with that question? I was just curious to see how many points that we would get with our remaining home fixtures. Okay. I mean, I would like to hear these home fixtures because I, I genuinely think the Newcastle schedule leads them to be in more matches than they are. Like, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. Fulham's got a much tougher schedule, like home, like take away. if, If all these were neutral sites, like just the names of the teams, and the quality of the teams makes it seem like Newcastle should have the better run to close out the season. So I'm comparing stats real quick, and Newcastle are better at home. There's no no debate. Newcastle okay. have more wins, more draws, and less losses at home, more goals scored, less goals against at home all this year. I, I, I would, again, raise that point, like, who was available? Like is uh, yeah, but because, I'm just saying. Like Alex say Maxman, is he playing more home games? Than we can we can look at that, but that's just the stats that I've just just pulled up. But yeah, so so here's our home matches, and then you whatever however you want to take it, just let me know how many points. Aston Villa, Spurs, West Ham, Arsenal, Man City, Sheffield United. That's tough. That's all the home matches that we have left. I think Sheffield's three points. So then we have Man City, Arsenal, West Ham, Spurs, and Villa, all top, top half sides. Yeah, the issue with Spurs is that you don't know what version yeah, Spurs you're going to get. No idea. Like, like it's it's very clear they're not going to fire us, though. So Yeah, they, they do pump us. Uh, I would say Spurs is a loss. I say Arsenal's a draw. Man City's a loss. Who else is there? West Ham. Uh, West Ham and Villa. West Ham's weird because West Ham doesn't play us well. So there's like an opportunity for three points there because it seems like they, they underperform when they play Newcastle. We've been able to 
All right, so are you draw. calling three points? I'd say at least a point, but yeah, let's go three points for West Ham. Sure, why not? Okay. And then Villa, Villa, Villa I'd say maybe your draw, but I would lean towards towards uh, nothing there. I think your Loss. your money makers from Newcastle is just like honestly any sort of mid table Palace, Wolves, Southampton, uh, Fulham, those matches. So if we do that, if we get seven points, we'll be at 33 points just in those home matches, not including the way. It's not bad. So we're getting there. <laughs> that, that, that's um, right. also like, it, and hey, look at that. It's like if you look at West Brom as a team that is clearly worse than Newcastle and you say that's three points, then Newcastle are safe. That's 40 points. Yeah. Things to All consider. Right. Well, let's do this. Let's let's close episode 168, CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. That's the best damn close in the land, Elijah Newsom. Uh, let's get three points this weekend. We'll talk to you soon and hoy the last. Love you guys. It's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again. Brave the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Geordie And to live in Geordie land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we? I'm coming home. The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing hitting her way. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog. It's in James's park. If the Gallagher's end in the rain, I'm coming home.